Just like your tell in poker, your edge behavior reveals that you're pushing against the edges of your comfort zone and about to do something that is either new or scary. Hello and welcome to Conscious Business. Today we're covering one of my favorite topics, edge behaviors. Now, understanding what these are is going to make you more productive, more powerful. It's going to boost your EQ and essentially make you a better leader. It will help you recognize when you're doing something uncomfortable and also recognize when others around you are uncomfortable too. That might be a friend, it could be a colleague, an employee, it could even be your partner. Now, to fully understand your edge behavior, you have to understand what your comfort zone is and what happens inside your comfort zone and the impact of stepping outside of your comfort zone. So here's a look at what you're going to learn today. First, I'm going to explain what edge behaviors are. In the second segment, we'll talk about your comfort zone. In the third segment, I'm going to give you some examples of what your edge behaviors might be. And then in our last segment, I'm going to explain how to use all this knowledge and wisdom of edge behaviors. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? So let's kick off by defining exactly what edge behavior is. When we are about to push outside of our comfort zone, our edge behavior shows up. So edge behavior is really a fancy way of saying how you react when you have to do something that you're scared of or that you're intimidated by or that makes you uncomfortable or generally just stressed out by doing something that is new or unfamiliar. Now, I sometimes explain it like a tell in poker. If someone has a really good hand, they might have a nervous tick that will give that away. So edge behavior can be conscious, could be something that you do on purpose, or more often, it's unconscious, meaning that you aren't even aware that you're doing it. That's where I come in. It's my job to observe it, to name it when I see it. Everyone has different edge behaviors. What I do when I'm uncomfortable is going to be different than what you do when you're uncomfortable. The things that trigger my edge behaviors are different than for you. Now, there's a few universal things, though, that do likely trigger edge behaviors. Public speaking, obviously a very, very common one, right? Most people are very nervous to public speak. And I'm currently reading Brene Brown's latest book, Dare to Lead, and even she confesses that to this day, she still gets nervous public speaking. So other common triggers for edge behavior are being vulnerable, right? Or having awkward conversations. Just the other day, I named this with one of my clients. On his to-do list was having a good old courageous conversation with one of his employees. Someone who was kind of new to the team, but wasn't quite performing up to par. So here's how the conversation kind of went down. See if this is maybe familiar to you. Here's what I said. So, did you have that conversation with employee X about their performance? Uh, 
No, I'm still gathering data and talking to other people who work with them. Okay, weren't you going to have that conversation last week when we talked? Yeah, but I wanted to make sure that I collect enough data. Okay, well, last time we talked, you told me that you just knew something was off with him. Yeah, that's right. I do. I know that. I know he's not performing. Okay, well, my BS detector is going off right now, and I wonder if you're using gathering data as an excuse to avoid having a courageous conversation with him. Is there any truth to that? Yes. How much? Mm, 100%. <laughs> so what are you going to do? I'm going to have the conversation. When? Tomorrow. Now, this is why we hate to love our coaches, because they call our BS, right? They name our edge behaviors and our edge patterns. We often procrastinate on things that we are uncomfortable doing. This is why it's so important for you to get conscious about your edge behavior and to know what is and what isn't inside your comfort zone. Knowing your edge behavior is so important for a few reasons. First, when you get really, really conscious about how you act when you're being pushed out of your comfort zone, this will give you an idea of what you can do to make it easier or to be more compassionate with yourself. Second, when you become really conscious of what your edge behavior is then you know you can always keep an eye out for it because when those behaviors show up or you notice yourself doing them, you know that you're about to do something uncomfortable. In this episode, we're going to look at two things specifically. Your edge behaviors, which are the simple things that you do in the moment, like as I explained, a tell in poker. It could be a physical gesture, an action, or like a nervous tick almost. We're also going to look at edge patterns that show up when you're avoiding doing something, like the example I explained with my client, who was avoiding having a courageous conversation about performance. That conversation for him is uncomfortable. So the edge pattern is procrastination. And he is seeking out doing something comfortable, something inside his comfort zone, like collecting data. So to recap, edge behavior is how you react when you're about to do something that you're scared of, intimidated by, or just generally uncomfortable or new. Your edge behavior can be conscious or unconscious. And my ulterior motive with this episode is to make all your edge behavior conscious. We have different things that trigger our edge behavior, and we all have different edge behaviors that we gravitate to, as well as edge patterns. To fully understand your edge behavior, we need to talk about your comfort zone. Just like your edge behavior, we all have a comfort zone. Yours looks different than mine. You might have things inside your comfort zone that aren't inside mine, and I might have things inside my comfort zone that I can do easily that you can't. Either way, your comfort zone is this amazing treasure chest of expertise, wisdom, skills. Sometimes it includes natural talents and abilities that you were born with or things that came really easily to you. Other things that are inside your comfort zone may have been hard or kind of scary to do at first, but with your hard work, your focus, and your dedication, you've done them enough that they now reside inside your comfort zone. 
So here's a question for you. Why is our comfort zone so important and why as coaches are we talking about stepping out of it all the time? Our goal isn't just to step outside of our comfort zone for the sake of being uncomfortable or for learning in that moment. The ultimate reason why we're so obsessed about talking about your comfort zone is so that you can master new things. And then you eventually, once you've mastered them, you recategorize those things as something that is inside your comfort zone. And the impact of this is that you have expanded or increased your comfort zone. And this makes you way more powerful. So essentially expanding the total inventory of things that you're able to do. Well, this is what makes you, my friend, more powerful. It helps to build your confidence. Now, aside from boosting your confidence, the other advantage of expanding your comfort zone is that through this process, you are building a muscle of mastering new skills. And this is something that you use over and over and over again. With a stronger muscle, you can really accelerate more quickly how you build that next skill or habit. So I want to use an example to explain what I mean. Let's use the example of working out. So let's say last year, you built the habit of going to the gym regularly. Congratulations. You're awesome. Give yourself a pat on the back. Before last year, though, you had never, never, ever stepped foot inside a gym. So the cool thing is that you've not only managed to build a great new habit, you've also gained intelligence of what tactics you used to build this new habit. So the next time you want to build a new habit, you have this great frame of reference that you can look at the intelligence of what you used. So here are three potential tactics that you could have used to start going to the gym. Let's say you did some research. So rather than waiting around for the inspiration to go to the gym to just randomly fall out of the sky, you did the research to find the right gym, to look at different programs, different methodologies. And through this process of doing research, you became an expert and therefore built your confidence and invested in this new behavior. So the first tactic was doing research. Second tactic could be making it fun. Never underestimate the power of F-U-N, fun. Maybe there is a certain class that you go to the gym regularly that was a lot of fun, like an amazing yoga class or a really fun spinning class with great music. So knowing that you were going to go to the gym and it was going to be fun, this helped you build the habit of going to the gym. And the third tactic that you could have used is accountability. This could be going to the gym with a friend. It could be your gym maybe keeps track of your visits for you. It could be you tracking it on a spreadsheet. Any way that accountability is created helped you build the habit of going to the gym. So the three tactics that helped you to build this habit of going to the gym were doing research, making it fun, and building accountability. So once you know what these three tactics are that really work to help you go to the gym regularly, guess what? You can now use all this intelligence, right, to help you build the muscle to do something else new that you want to create. 
So as you've been listening to this episode, have you been starting to think about what your edge behaviors could be? Now, some of you have a slight advantage because you've actually done this work with me, either as a client, maybe in a workshop, at an offsite, or maybe even on retreat. But even if you have, it's a good time to check in again to see what your edge behaviors are. Maybe since we've done this work together, you've developed some new ones, right? So when I started out years ago, I had just a handful of edge behaviors that I had noticed. And it seems like over the years, with every new team that I work with, we always seem to add new behaviors to the list, which I love. It's always expanding. So here's a great long list of edge behaviors that might show up in the moment to know that you are uncomfortable. All right? Nervous laughter. Now, this is my personal favorite. I use this all the time, and I also name it whenever it shows up. Also, going blank, changing the topic or avoiding in some way, being confused, fidgeting or other nervous behaviors, being uncomfortable in the moment, blaming, deflecting, being defensive, withdrawing, internalizing, going red in the face. I do that one too. Not so much anymore, but I definitely used to. Rambling. Oh, I do this one too quite a bit. Attacking or being overly logical with your analysis. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, but it does represent some of the most common edge behaviors that we use when we're uncomfortable in the moment. So as I was going through that list, which one of those sounded really, really familiar to you? Which ones are your go-to edge behaviors? I find most people have one or two that they commonly use, and so it's good to know what they are. Now, a question that I get asked all the time by teams is, with these edge behaviors, do they always mean that I'm outside of my comfort zone? And no, they don't always. Fidgeting is a really good example. Sometimes people just fidget, and it isn't necessarily edge behavior. Sometimes people just fidget because, you know, they're bored or they're antsy, and they're not necessarily nervous about doing something. But quite often, it can be used as uh, an edge behavior. So now that you know what the edge behaviors are to look for in the moment, let's also talk about edge patterns, which are ways of acting when you're faced with doing something that you don't want to do. Now, I used the example earlier with my client when he was faced with having a conversation about performance. Now, what was his edge pattern? His edge pattern was procrastination, wasn't it? He was avoiding having an uncomfortable conversation. And so what did he do? He defaulted to do something that was inside his comfort zone, which was collecting more data. And he was using this unconsciously as a stall tactic to avoid something he didn't want to do. And as soon as I named it, he copped to it, which is amazing. And this always happens. I've, I've never, ever, ever in all my years had someone deny that they were procrastinating. Most people know as soon as you name it or, you know, if you just give them a little look, uh, a slight tilt of the head, they know exactly what's going on. Now, I want to share a few other edge patterns to watch out for. But before I do that, I really need to explain something. You see, 
I consider myself an expert at these edge patterns. Do you know why? I happen to know them really, really, really well because I catch myself using them all the time. So as we go through this, I don't want you to be hard on yourself. I don't want you to beat yourself up. I just want you to be aware of what this unconscious behavior is. Trust me, once you realize it, it's really, really powerful. We all indulge in edge patterns at some point in our life. All right. So a few other edge patterns in addition to avoiding are blame, uh, using excuses about why you can't do something, lighting a dumpster fire. This is a super sneaky one. It's basically where we shine a light on a problem somewhere else in the company that has existed for a long time, maybe even years, and we put up with it for years, but all of a sudden we've just escalated the need to address it in this moment. Uh, another edge pattern is shiny object-itis, right? So when we move on to prioritize a different task or a different project to get away from what really needs to be done. Uh, retreating to our comfort zone, that's definitely an edge pattern. We focus on doing work that we know how to do that can be done really easily. Now another edge pattern that drives me absolutely crazy is going dark. This is where someone just like goes off the grid, doesn't respond, and is just completely MIA and unreachable. Years ago, I had a boss that used to do this to me and wouldn't go ahead and approve something, but wouldn't tell you that you couldn't do it. So you never really knew where you stood or how to react. You were just stuck in that purgatory. So there's lots of examples of edge patterns. These are ways that we react when we're avoiding doing something that is really uncomfortable. So to recap this segment, there's lots of different edge behaviors. These are like tells. They're how we react in the moment. And there's also edge patterns, which is how we react to situations when we're trying to avoid doing something. So now you know what edge behavior is. You also know what edge patterns are. So what do we do with all this great information, Julie? Well, two really powerful ways to use it is with yourself and guess what? With others. So let's start by using it with you. Once you figure out what your edge behavior is and how it shows up, You use this as intelligence to know that you are heading outside of your comfort zone. It's like a big old red flag or a sign that tells you what's going on. You're revealing it or making it conscious. So I personally, I do this because I'm a coach. I can get away with this. But I actually name my edge behavior when it shows up. And I say, oh, there's my nervous laughter. Or if I'm avoiding something, I will name it to someone and say, hey, I'm feeling a lot of resistance about this project because of XYZ. So can we build an accountability or create a deadline for it? Because I know if left to chance, I'm going to procrastinate on it. If it's a comfortable environment that you are in with high trust relationships, then you can go ahead and you can try naming your edge behavior. If you feel safe to do this, it's a really powerful way to name what's going on with yourself. Now, 
think about it. It's not necessarily something that we would do to say, hey, this is really uncomfortable for me or this is something that makes me nervous. But if we can go ahead and name the edge behavior when it shows up, it's kind of like a way to name what's going on by being once removed from the fear and from the nervousness. All right. I also think it's a really great way for you to be as a leader because this gives you a chance to educate others and understand their edge behavior. When they see you naming yours, they're going to learn from your great example and they're going to figure out a way to apply it to themselves. So when you notice it, you know you're outside of your comfort zone. Now, a second powerful way to use all this intelligence is to notice this behavior in others. So when we went through that really big long list in the last segment, there were some things in there likely that you know you use. The rest of the items, you can now be vigilant and start to observe those in others, right? So depending on how well you know them, you can respond accordingly. So if it's someone that you've got like a really good, solid, honest relationship, like I think of, well, most people I know. I mean, there's no one in my world who doesn't get their edge behaviors named. But I think of like really, really good friends and I can just give them a look. I can call it out and they're like, yeah, Julie, it is. If you have a solid relationship with someone, you might want to name it. However, I wouldn't accuse them and say, hey, that's that's edge behavior that you're demonstrating right now. It might be a little bit uh, off-putting for some people. But you could form it in uh, a question and say, hey, uh, is that edge behavior? Is this something that is a little bit uncomfortable for you? But again, it depends how well you know them. If you think they won't respond well to you naming or inquiring about it, then you can just kind of keep this intelligence in your back pocket. And then whenever you observe this nervous behavior with them, you can treat them with extra empathy. You can ask questions. You can offer to help or give them lots of other options. Basically, what I want you to remember is that edge behavior is really intelligence. It's powerful to know, not only to observe it in yourself, but to start to observe it in others around you. It helps you to know that either you're operating outside of your comfort zone or someone else around you is uncomfortable and you're there to support them. All right, it's time to start wrapping up this episode on edge behavior. I hope you enjoy this episode and that you really, really take time to think about your edge behavior and also potential behaviors that show up in others. The more you become conscious about this, the more you will be empathetic to others around you and be able to empower them. Remember, your soft skills, just like your hard skills, are a process to master. Just like everything else we do, it's like building up a muscle. We all have fear. No matter where you are in life, no matter how successful you are or how accomplished you are, we all have fear about something. Remember, another level, another devil. The things that we are all afraid of, though, are different. So what's scary for me might not be scary for you. So I want to leave you with an inquiry. I want you to think about your relationship with fear. When you think of fear and it shows up, is it a green light for you or is it a red light? 
what is your relationship with fear? Because knowing what it is, being conscious about it, and how you react when you're facing something that is scary or uncomfortable is really strategic to know this about yourself. Because fear, after all, as we know, is just your greatness in disguise.